Well, with these next few weeks, we're just going to keep things simple. We're going to continue to uh, go through our gospel project material as we started last week in Genesis. Uh, we're, we're continuing today. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, just a, another aspect of this text. Last week, we looked at the fact that God created everything good, that God created everything by design and that God created everything for a purpose. Now, we, we looked at that last week, and we looked at that as, as an all-encompassing. God created everything. And today we're going to hone in on how God created us. That God created humanity in his image and his likeness. And, and what does that even mean for us? And what are some of the implications of that for our our, our knowledge of who we are, the love that we should have for God in the midst of that, and because of that, and then what we should do about it. Remember, our, our, this, the, every message, we're going to talk about how this affects our head, what we know about God, our hearts, how, how we love and, and express worship to God, and our hands, how we live it out. And so I want to start off this morning with a few questions, and, and hey, we're back to this kind of video thing, uh, so I can ask you to pause the video, and you can stop and maybe uh, with your family talk about some questions. And so here's a couple questions that just will get us thinking this morning. Uh, so here they are. First, what does it mean to be human? Second, what comes to your mind when you hear the phrase, image of God? And thirdly, how are people different from everything else on earth? What makes us different from animals? So you can stop right now uh, and just think through those questions, uh, maybe jot some things down or discuss it if you're, if you're with your family or with a group of, group of friends right now. Just talk about these three questions. They'll be on the screen. You can pause right now. Yeah, what does it mean to be human? I mean, this is, a, this is a question that, you know, people struggle with. What does it mean to be human? What, what sets us apart from the animal kingdom? And, you, you know, if, if we forget these things, there, there's grave consequences for them, aren't there? If we're just some kind of cosmic accident that uh, we are really no better than the animals and uh, everything we are is just a byproduct of you know, survival of the fittest and, you know, you have to conquer in order to thrive, then what eventually happens is that's how we live and that becomes highly destructive because we start living simply for ourselves and our own good and our own advancement and we see everything else as a utility to advance our cause and our flourishing. And we end up using our environment we end up glorifying ourselves to the point of enslaving others to our purposes and our cause, and we forget that God created us for his purposes, to reflect his lordship, to reflect his character, and to fulfill his purposes. And so we're going to look at three main points this morning. If you grab your Bibles, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 26 to 28 out of Genesis chapter 1, where God creates humanity. So grab your Bibles, and let's uh, read this together. 
This is after, you know, God's created everything else. Very last thing, Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, Point number one that we're going to kind of explore a little bit today, and I think this is one of the key things, is that God made us in his image. We bear God's image in our roles or in our function. Now, these three verses, it repeats it twice. It repeats it uh, in, in verse 26 and verse 28. We have this repeat repetition, right? Look at that again, um, Repetition is very important in the Bible. If God says it twice, then it's really important. And here, right, right away, God's purpose for us, the role that we are to fulfill because we are made in God's image is to have dominion over creation. That God has placed us in a, a, a situation in the role of having authority over creation. Now, this comes with a lot of responsibility. Now, in the ancient Near Eastern context in which this text was written and to which this text was written, uh, this idea of image and likeness was very common. In fact, uh, there's a, a statue that was found in Assyria and it's in Syrian inscription that has both of these uh, words, at least in a, a related language, that, that says this is the image and likeness of this God and it's placed in this temple so that you would remember that this is the God who uh, you serve. Um, and and this, this is kind of what's going on here. God has finished everything. He has created the entire universe and then he creates humanity last as his image and likeness to represent himself in the creation that he has just made. Ancient Near Eastern kings as well, they would, uh, when they went in and conquered a territory, they would uh, erect a shrine in a city, you know, it's, it's a conquered place, and, and they're not going to live there, but they'll, they'll put up a temple uh, to their god, but they'll also have a, a statue of themselves as the king to remind the people of the king that they are under of the ruler that has conquered them and who has authority over them. This is the image of the king that is put in place to remind the people of who's in charge. So, what does that mean in this text, in this context? God has created humanity in his image to represent him and his authority and to remind all of creation who is actually in charge, and that is God himself. After our image and after our likeness has more to do with our role than our makeup. 
A lot of people, you know, over the years, they've fought over, well, what does it mean to be in the image of God? Does it mean that we're uh, three-part beings, uh, body, soul, spirit? Does it mean that we're just uh, temporal and eternal, that we're physical and we're spiritual? Uh, is there a holisticness to this? And it's kind of like... Uh, Let's look at what the Bible actually says. Let us make man after our image and our likeness so that they can rule over all of creation. And then God puts us in charge of caring for the earth, of seeing it flourish, of multiplying, of filling it and subduing it. And what happens is that as we fulfill those things, we do the similar kind of things that God has done. We form the earth, we form cultures, we fill the earth with life. You know, just think of gardening, right? Uh, the, the area where my garden is in my yard now used to just be an empty piece of grass. You know, there was just grass there and all I, you know, I'd cut it, but really I didn't do anything with it. It was kind of formless and void as it were. But then I, you know, we, we created some areas for garden beds and we put soil in and we're, we're kind of building up these garden beds so that they will flourish and produce food for us. And this is what God said to do. God said, I want you to fill the earth. I, I want you to work with it. I want you to be in creation for creation, for the flourishing of creation. So humanity's role in creation God, bearing God's image means that our role is to reflect him. To, to not, not to be God, but to reflect who God is. In our world, to one another, and to act in ways that cohere with God's character and purposes. Uh, <clears throat> Wayne Grudem in his book, uh, Bible doctrine has this to say. In fact, as we read scripture, we realize that a full understanding of man's likeness to God would require a full understanding of who God is in his being and in his actions, and a full understanding of who man is and what he does. The more we know about God and man, the more similarities we will recognize and the more fully we will understand what scripture means when it says that man is in the image of God. The expression refers to every way in which man is like God. So God creates us in his image to reflect him and to do very much the same kind of things that God does in creation. We are to form it. We are to fill it. We are to enjoy it. We are to see that it is good. <laughs> we are to speak life and act in ways that bring life and flourishing to our world. And, and right in the middle of, of this first uh, uh, chapter in, in God's creation, there's this beautiful little poetic, the, the very first poem in the Bible in verse 27. So God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Three times the word bara in Hebrew comes up again. God created, God created, God created this special word that only, only God creates in this way. Now, throughout the Hebrew Bible, this Hebrew verb bara is only used of God's actions. It's only God who creates. 
Humanity never is the subject of this verb. So we cannot create as God creates. Like I can't grab a pile of dust right now and, uh, and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a living being and I'm going to grab a handful of dirt and maybe because we're about 60% water, I'll mix, you know, uh, you know, almost half and half water and dirt and make, make a mud, uh, a bucket of mud and then go, all right, live. I can't do that. I, all I'll get is a bucket of mud. I can't make it live. Only God can breathe life into us and into everything else. But we are God's special creation. And our role is to care for creation in all of its variety. And we are to build cultures that reflect his goodness. That's our role. Well, the second thing we want to look at is that God did not just create us to be his image individually, but that we are to bear his image through our relationships. You know, even in that first poem, the, the very last line, male and female, he created them. And, and so the image of God connects to our relational capacity. Okay, so we are, through our relationships, we bear the image of God. And this is, this is what Genesis 2 is all about. Let's unpack this a little bit. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verses uh, 28 to 23. Oh, uh, we're actually going to start in, in uh, verse 18, 18 to 23. Then God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now that last bit, of course, leads us into chapter three, and we're going to get there in a couple weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at how God is glorified in us and through us. Uh, but for now, we want to look at this, this reality that God created us as relational beings. Now, we've gotten used to hearing when God does something that he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. You know, that was, that was the refrain, that was the conclusion all the way through Genesis chapter two. And now we get this thing that God looks and says, oh my goodness, this is not good. You know, what's not good about, about creation at this point? You know, there's no sin. There's no separation between humanity and God. Everything's brand new, but there's something that's not good. 
the man is by himself. Now, most women will say, yes, obviously, leave a man by himself, and it's just not a good situation. God's looking at this and going, you know what? It's not good. So what does he do? Well, uh, automatically we think, well, God creates woman. Look, look at the text very carefully again. What does God do? He says, it's not good that the man is alone. Now, what does the author do next? He says, so God created all the animals. Well, wait a minute. Just look at verse 18 and 19 again. Now, verse 19, uh, most of our Bibles will have some sort of interpretive spin on this, but in Hebrew, it's just the, it's, it's the normal consecutive verb form. So uh, you could just say, and the Lord God said, it's not good the man should be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field. It's like, this is a consecutive thing. This is like, this verb form just doesn't say, oh, uh, by the way, we need to back up and talk about something else, and then we'll get back to the story at hand. It's not like a parenthesis here. This is just kind of a, the next thing God does. And now, of course, we have to go back to Genesis 1, and we have maybe some questions about the order of things. That's not the point that, that the author is trying to make here. The point he's trying to make here is that God has seen that humanity, that the man... The Adam that is made from dirt, the dirt being, because Adama is actually the word for dirt, uh, and he is called Adam. It's kind of the, the same word here, is by himself. And then God brings all the animals to him uh, to see what he'll name them. And twice it is, it, it's put together. It's like there's no helper suitable for him. So there's all these animals, and Adam goes through all the animals and it's repeated. There isn't a suitable helper for him. And Azer, to be with him, to be beside him, to, to come alongside him in life and what he is called to do. And this is what the creation of woman is all about. It is about man needs help. <laughs> okay? So here's a question for you. When you need help with something, who do you ask? And why do you go to that person? Or, or why, why do you seek out certain people uh, to help you in a certain way? And, and maybe you can discuss this with your kids too. Say, hey, because, you know, kids, you're, you're watching this and you're going, yeah, you know, mom, dad, I need help with something. Why, who do you go to when you need help? And why do you seek those people out to help you? So stop right now and discuss this question. When we look for somebody to help us, it usually means we are unable to do something. We are not capable of doing something. We need somebody with more expertise in an area or we need somebody that's just stronger than us. The word that God uses here twice, verse 18, it's not good for that the man should be alone, I will make a helper fit for him. And then at the end, after, after all of these uh, bird, you know, the birds and animals and everything, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. 
verse 20. It's repeated twice so that, you know, man, we kind of need repetition to get the message, right? There's no helper fit for him other than what God will make for him. But here's an interesting little tidbit. The word helper, it's the word azer in Hebrew, occurs 19 times in the Old Testament. 16 times out of 19, it is used for God himself. It's used for God himself as the strong helper. The, the, the helper is always the stronger party in the relationship, actually. You know, and so when Paul talks about, you know, the woman is the weaker partner, he's not talking really about this text. And that's a whole other rabbit trail. But just think about this. God creates a helper because there is something not good in all of creation before sin even enters the picture. And that not good thing is that man does not have a relational counterpart. He does not have a helper and he needs a helper. God's image is incomplete when we are not in relationship with others. We bear God's image in our roles, in the task that God has given us over all of creation. But he does that through our relationships. So the first two points kind of go together. We bear God's image in our roles and we bear God's image through our relationships. Okay, sec uh, third point. And we're going to go to Psalm 8 here, one of the Psalms, uh, because Psalm 8 kind of reflects on this one. So grab your Bibles, turn to Psalm 8. Because we bear God's image as a crown of glory and honor. Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man what is, or what is humanity that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, this is, it's, I, I think this is, this question that the psalmist asks here, you know, what, what is humanity that you, that you care for us, the, 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 the descendants of humanity that, that you favor us? You've, you've placed us in this, in this role of, of responsibility over creation, and yet we're so, so insignificant when we look at the vastness of creation and the complexity of creation and the wonder of creation. We... we you know, how, how often have you just sat back on a starry night and looked up at the stars and just gone, we are so, so small. You know, when you, when you see the, 
the uh, the uh, model of the solar system, and then you you see you know I images from the Hubble telescope of these vast galaxies that are that are like light years away, and all of this stuff, and you go, and, and it's us, like it's down to us. You know, this is this is overwhelming. But when you just even even if you just go for a hike up a mountain. Like there's there's this hill behind my house and it's it's not even that big, right? But fr from the top of it, I can see all of Grand Forks and I can I can see the valley down to the United States and I can see the valley over to Christina Lake and 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 I can see this vastness of it all and I can see uh, Mount Kalina across you know straight across from me and it's vast and and you can't even make out individual trees and there's so many animals and and there's the rivers and the vastness of even just our tiny little valley which you know you go to Google Earth and you know you got to zoom in zoom in zoom in zoom in until you're like you know our tiny little corner of BC or this little part of British Columbia that we inhabit but it's so vast and complex and beautiful and wonderful. And you've got to ask the question with the psalmist, you know, God, why us? But look at this. We bear God's image as a crown of glory and honor. You know, everything else God spoke into creation. God said, let, let the sea team with life. God said, let the earth bring forth animals. And then in Genesis chapter 2, it's like God creates humanity by getting his hands in the dirt. He, he, gets, he forms, he, he, he fashions, he breathes into the nostrils the breath of life. He puts Adam to sleep. He cuts man open. He takes a rib out and he builds, he designs, he fashions to, to a specific design the, the woman to be the companion of man. And with humanity, God gets his hands bloody and dirty and he's intimately involved in our creation. And is that not just a way, you know, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And you have called us to be your representatives to look after and care for and love everything that you have created so that it can flourish and develop according to your design. This is what being made in the image of God is all about. This is a, a central and crucial doctrine of, of the faith. And this is where we got to start. This is why we're camping out like for the first three weeks of this gospel project on the, the, the importance of God's special creation of us. And, and next week we're going to look at Psalm 96 very specifically about how we are created to glorify God in our worship and, and, and in our being and how worship of God is supposed to come from, from us, that God desires us to, to walk with him in worship and to glorify his name. And then we'll get into how it all went horribly wrong and what God is doing about it. But the image of God in humanity, the gospel project, essential doctrine number 28. Now, we're, we're going to hit like 99 doctrines through the next three, year, but three years, but they're not in order. So, not, you know, it's not like we covered 27 last week and now we're at number 28. 
This is just one of the key things. The image of God in humanity. Hear this. The image of God in humanity is understood as mirroring God's attributes in our nature, actions, and relational capacities. In Jesus, we see the true image of God. He perfectly mirrors God's attributes, fulfills God's will, and enjoys a perfect relationship with the Father. The Bible continues to speak of the image of God in humanity, even after our fall into sin, even though our ability to rightly reflect God has been marred. And we'll come back and we'll unpack those over the, over the course of this whole series. That we are created in God's image to reflect his attributes Uh, his nature, his actions, his relational capacities. We're going to come back to the fact that Jesus is uh, Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, the image of God. He reflects God's character perfectly. And and, and this we get throughout the New Testament, that Jesus, Jesus is the new Adam. He is the reflection of God's character like nothing else, like no other human being has been or can be because of our fallen state. But in him and through him, God is creating us in and transforming us into the image of Christ, Romans chapter 8. That we would, Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 4, I believe, be transformed more and more from glory to glory into the image of Christ as God is working at restoring us as we follow Jesus and as we allow the gospel to penetrate our lives and the Holy Spirit to transform form us. So what does this have to do with how we're living today and where we need to go next? Head, heart, hands, right? What do we need to know? Who do we need to love? What do we need to do? So three key questions here that you can uh, think through this week, that you can discuss, that you can pray through First of all, how might the truth that God created people differently yet equal change your perspective on yourself and others? Second question, what individual or group of people might you struggle to view as God's image bearers? How has this study challenged you in this area? And then third question, what is one action you can take this week to put God's character on display as his image bearer? You know, and I, I think in our, our current situation, not our COVID situation, uh, but, but part of that, I think, is that we've got to get back to this idea and we've got to get back to the conviction and the commitment that everybody that you and I meet and interact with is created in the image of God. That it doesn't matter where they're from, what language they speak, what culture they, they, they come out of, uh, what social, political, economic uh, view they have or life they lead, they are still created in the image of God. And this has to be a starting place for just loving people where they're at and who they are. This was the great mistake of let's say the missionary movement in the 1800s and up until maybe like the 1970s and still a struggle sometimes is we get the wrong idea that our culture and our language are superior, more reflective of God's purposes than say our First Nations brothers and sisters 
or the African, and, and we go to them and we say, here is the good news of Jesus Christ. Now become like a white person. Speak our language, sing our songs, read our, our Bible, and, and we don't even want to understand your culture or your language. We want you to become like us so that you can be a Christian then. And we get screwed up. We get all messed up about what is actually following Jesus and what's just our culture and our preferences. You know, I think, you know, at the heart of it, the reason we had a residential school disaster and debacle is that the people of God forgot that every person is created in the image of God. Every person. And Romans chapter 1 tells us that God's invisible qualities, his, his power and his majesty are clearly seen in all creation. And, and, and so where, where have these cultures discerned that, that there is a creator and, and how, how can we understand their view of creation and, and then meet them with, with the truth of, of God's word in a way that speaks and, and, and coheres and, and, and resonates with the culture and the language and the understanding they already have instead of trying to scrub off their darkness and replace their culture with our own. Because the, the crowd that surrounds the throne in Revelation comes from every tribe and tongue and culture and skin color. And it's all going to look different and it's all going to sound different. And, you know, the songs that another culture sings might not be in the same key that we sing because they have a totally different musical system. And that's, you know, it's, it's not all divided up into 12 notes in, in another culture. It might be different and their rhythms are different and their songs are different and their language is different and the way they view creation is different. But can we meet them with the gospel in the midst of their culture rather than trying to erase their culture? And so these questions confront us to love everyone and view them first and foremost as image bearers of the creator God. And so think through these questions. Think through these texts. Humanity was created to love God and love one another. The chief end of man, Westminster Confession of Faith, to love God and fully enjoy him forever. And that doesn't start in eternity because eternity is now. It starts in this life. It starts here and now. The greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And every single neighbor that you come across, whether they're homeless or rich, whether they're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, Indo-Canadian, Fijian, 
First Nations, German, everyone is created in the image of God. And we start to love them from that point. And we eagerly desire to see the image of God fully revealed in us. But that's a lifelong journey that ends when we meet Jesus. You and I are created in the image of God. We are created in his image for his purposes that we would reflect him in the world that we inhabit. That as we understand more about who God is, we understand more about ourselves. We bear God's image in our roles. We are relational beings. We're not good on our own. We, we can't do life by ourselves. We can't fulfill God's purposes apart from relationships. And so we bear God's image through our relationships. And finally, we bear God's image as a crown and glory and honor that God has, God has assigned this responsibility to us that we would honor him, that we would glorify him, and that we would reveal that through who we are as his image bearers. Well, let's pray, and then uh, we will see you next week as we look at how we glorify God and how uh, in our worship, in our service, and in our lives, we are called to glorify God. Lord, thank you for your word to us this morning, and Lord, help us to see um, those around us as those who bear your image. That, that we would see ourselves, Lord. Because, Lord, sometimes we look at our own lives and we look at our own failings and, and faults. And, Lord, we ask, how, how am I even, how could I be reflecting the God who created the universe? And yet here it is. Plain and simple. So God created humanity in his image. In his image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are all reflecting your glory and your goodness. And so, Lord, may we continually be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we would know you and your purposes better and better. That as you work in us, we would be changed from glory to glory. And that as your spirit works in us, and as we submit to you, Lord Jesus, we would be changed into your likeness, that we would see the world through your eyes more and more, that we would love one another, the people around us, because we are all made in the image of God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.